and welcome to a new episode of the Computomics podcast. My guest today has over a decade of experience in bioinformatics. Career stops include heading a state-of-the-art sequencing facility for applied bioinformatics at Wageningen University in the Netherlands, being the CEO of Gene Twister Technologies. And since 2020, he's embracing a new challenge as business development director at Hudson River Biotechnology. Gabino Sanchez, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, Gabino, can you can you tell us what's your role exactly at HRB, at Hudson River Biotechnology? Well, as we said, the business development director, basically, I am trying to connect the Hudson River with the different possibilities for business in the different segments. Um, the technology in which we are developing, gene editing for plants, uh, allows you to reach all kinds of segments, so from the vegetables, uh, cereals, field crops, ornamentals, but also from other industries like, like forestry or like a, many, many different industries. My role is make these connections and make the people aware of the possibilities of the technology. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, let them think about, uh, okay, what can we do next year? Or how can we impress our customers? And how can we make this technology really make a change in the, the way we do things in the business? And it's a very, very exciting uh, yeah, job that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you mentioned the different technologies and, and making people aware of them. What would you say, what are the core solutions of HRB? So that we have two main solutions, mostly uh, where we started was the gene editing using CRISPR enzymes to actually modify the genomes of plants and make them adapted to the consumer demands or for the farmer demands. Uh, that is the main, main, main technology. But the second one that we are launching this year are basically a smart delivery system to for agrochemicals so we are able to uh, make that agriculture is way more sustainable uh, lowering the amount of active ingredients that we are talking about for example like like fertilizers or pesticides and make them in a more sustainable way and that's that's the the, the other technology we call it the plant trans uh, molecules and we think they're going to change also the way that agriculture is basically uh, having an impact on the environment Interesting. Can we go a little deeper on that? You said um, it's a smart delivery system. Uh, what what can I imagine as someone who's not from the field? Yeah, you can you can imagine. For example, the imagine if if you think about how people spray, for example, a pesticide, for example, into 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 a field. You you, you have this image of the farmer using some sort of a device to to spray, or you have these these planes having these these clouds. <clears throat> that deliver the, the, the agrochemical. The problem with it, with this type of sprays is that in order to achieve the, the, the goal, uh, you need to over spray because most of the, the active ingredient or a pesticide or a fertilizer really runs off or evaporated or is when your release is basically removed and it's not, uh, it's not reaching the plant. Mm -hmm. uh, what we do is basically encapsulate the active ingredient in molecules that make them really, really targeted towards the plant. And in, in our case, in our, our molecules are very special because they are able to go through the plant cell wall. So the effect of the active ingredient actually happens only inside the plant. And we made this so specific that it's actually not harming the environment and they are biodegradable. So actually they are not accumulated in the environment and we are, it's very safe what we have. So we have a very good uh, product, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, that does sound amazing because I mean, it sounds like a you 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 obviously 
save or help save uh, the the impact on the environment gets lessened, right? Yeah. Um, and then also, I would assume it also impacts the uh, the purse <laughs> of the farmer in question, right? Um, well, there, there, there are two aspects there. Yeah, indeed. So, so in one case, we are we are aiming to to lower the amount of active ingredient, for example, that goes into the field, and we are talking about one order of magnitude less. So that's one. So the impact on the environment is less. You have to spray less. But the second one is, as you say, the amount of active ingredient that the farmer has to buy is way less because they have to spray less. So it's cheaper for the farmer. And at the same time, it's less problematic for the health of the farmers or even the consumers because the product, the less product you have in on the field, less product that is consumed by the not only the farmers, but also by the organisms that live around the, the field. For sure. And uh, what do you what would you say? What do you enjoy most about your work specifically in explaining these technologies and making those connections? <clears throat> To, to, to be honest, as, as you see now, is that you know I, I really believe that this is going to change the agriculture and how people really in the in the food chain is going to is going to use the the technology CRISPR in one sense and the the, the these nano these particles in, in the other in the other side, making them be, you know think along yourself you know many of the people in the industry have been you know in the working for a very long time and they just say there are new possibilities that you didn't think about and make them dream something different and brainstorming together with them that's that's what gives me the energy mm -hmm. how, how how do you make them dream do you explain just like you now did kind of the, the advantages yeah. or, or what's your approach there yeah and indeed <clears throat> I, I try to give them some examples what they can do with it uh, because at the beginning they, they they come with their own ideas and they, some of them are amazing but sometimes they when you come with your own suggestions sometimes they're like wow I didn't think about that. And then you see in the eyes, no, that they're sparkling and there is something in the back of their minds they, they, maybe they want to share with you, maybe not, but maybe later. And at the end of the day, you end up with this, you know, co complicity, you know, you start to talk about possibilities and brainstorm. And it's a very, very, yeah, it gives you a lot of energy. I bet. Now we talked about the the smart delivery system where you, yeah. you know deliver the, the agrochemicals with molecules. That's when the plant is already grown, right? <laughs> to, yeah. to, to try and, and get more of a, a yield, I guess. But um, you also mentioned CRISPR. Um, so that yeah. would, I guess, qualify as a technology that's more geared towards optimizing plant breeding. Um, can you yeah. go into a little more detail how you approach this through technology? Well, um, since the moment that the CRISPR technology appears, it was a clear breakthrough in science. No? Um, the possibility of actually editing the genome the way you want it. You have to you have to put a little bit of context and perspective on how things have changed. When you're working in the breeding industry for a long time, you know that the companies are looking for satisfying the customer needs, creating new products. And the way to do that is through generating variation in the genomes of the plants that they're working on. So you can generate plants with more, let's say, consumer traits, more desirable traits, uh, or also from the from the farmer's perspective that they have agronomic traits that makes them more uh, productive, so more yield, more resistant, more less less input in terms of fertilizers or in terms of uh, pesticides. So all these type of things makes the plants better, and for the farmer's perspective, but also for the consumer, the way that the farmers were doing or breeders were doing the, the introducing genetic variation was very, very rough methods. And we can talk about the ones that they are actually approved. And the many of the varieties that you see now in the supermarket, 
the way that this generation, the, the, the genetic variation has been introduced is, is really like with a hammer. So <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, you know, with, with some systems, that some methods that has generated random mutagenesis or crosses with, with the different, um, not so appealing varieties. And um, so it's, it's, it's complex. It's complex to generate this, this variation in the, gen in the genomes of the plants of interest. So imagine that you have a technology that instead of using the hammer, you are, you know, you're going with the, with the sniper gun, go, leave, go to that place in the genome that you need to change. And that's something that we know from years and years of, you know, cumulative literature, knowledge from the, from the field. We know what's going to happen and we know that there are no side effects. So we know exactly what's going to happen if we change one thing. And you just do that. You just change that thing. And the system now allows you to change only that thing and nothing else in the genome. So if you have a top genetics plant that is working fantastic in the market, what you don't want is that plant to cross it with something else and lose part, part of the value that this plant has. With CRISPR technology, you just basically change the gene of interest and you have a plant which keeps exactly the same top genetics, only changing the gene that you want to modify. So that that opens all kinds of possibilities because you cannot you do not only can change one gene now, you can change several genes at the same time. You can introduce several traits at the same time. And, and the other thing that makes it amazing is that when I'm talking to you about, okay, when breathing companies think about launching a product, we are talking about 10, 15 years. Yep. And that is a very normal breathing cycle. With CRISPR, we are talking about months. You send me the plant today, and that's in less than a year, or maybe a, a year and a half, we are talking about here is your plant ready for going back to the to the commercialization phase. So that's a game changer. There's a game changer for many companies because then the time frame to introduce new characteristics is has been dramatically decreased mm -hmm. from years and years to months. Yeah, that's that's a warp <laughs> warp jump, if you will. Uh, in, exactly, in exactly. And uh, I, I know you also work with Computomics or know about Computomics. Yeah. How did you learn about the company? Well, I was uh, attending one of the the showcase, the Innovator Showcase in, in UC Davis, and then I learned about them. And I was very interested about the technology that they were developing. And to be honest, I was very impressed with the, with the results. And Hudson River is, is a company that is specialized in CRISPR. So we were not, uh, internally we were thinking, should we develop some sort of a, a, a way to identify the genes that we need to edit? Because that's at, at the end of the day, we need to edit something, uh, but we need to know what. Uh, for many traits, it's known. For, for many other traits, it's not known. So then we were thinking about, okay, should we develop internally our you know, capacity for, for identification of cars? We say, you know, the, the, more, the smarter thing to do would be to, to partner with a company that is doing it in who is the best. Computomics came immediately into, into, into our radar. And that's why we started to talk about possibilities of combining forces between what Computomics can do and what we can offer, which is, I think, we in, in our... Uh, we think we, we offer the best gene editing platform out there right now. And can you describe in a little more detail how the partnership evolved? Because it, it, it's 
been a while, right, since that first kind of seeing uh, uh, Computomics at the UC Davis uh, Innovators Showcase. So we, we started talking about uh, how to create the concept, the synergy between both companies, and we started to have this, this uh, product that goes from end to end from the needs of the consumer. We're talking about breeding companies that they are really interested to introduce a trade, but there is not really information regarding which genes are involved in the, controlling that particular trait. And us bringing out the, the, the latest technology to validate the candidate genes uh, the fastest way using our tiger with our gene editing workflow. So we started to think about, okay, how can we combine forces? And then immediately was a click. And we were brainstorming about how to position in the market. There was clear opportunities all, all over the place. Many companies were interested in the traits that they know that will bring a lot of value to the company, but they are not know which genes are involved. And then we can not only predict which one will be, we are going to validate which ones are going to be. So we open immediately the market opportunity. We came up with a name of this opportunity. It's called Accelerate, which captures kind of the synergy of both companies. And we think that we will bring traits into the fastest development phase to many companies. Now you, you already <laughs> almost smelled what my next question was going to be, namely, what, what is that combined solution or that collaboration uh, effort? Accelerate, great name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, can you can you expand a little? What, what is that joint solution? So the, the idea is that as Accelerate, which by, by the way was was coined by by Sebastian. That's 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 how it works. Um, the idea is that. Companies come to us with a demand of which trade they need to introduce into their into germplasm, and they don't know which genes are involved there. How are we going to do anything about it? So then computomics come into place. They set up <clears throat> the machine learning methods and start to understand which reconnections are between genes, and they find out, they highlight a list of candidate genes that they are very likely involved in the trade. But then comes the next part, which is one who once Hudson River learns about this information, we use our gene editing platform to validate which of the genes are actually involved in controlling the trade. So the outcome will be plants that already has controlled the trade. And the, the customer comes from knowing nothing. Suddenly they have the plants already with the trade already controlled, which is a very, very great advantage from what it is right now, which is they don't know anything about it. So they don't know what to change. <laughs> For sure. And you, you said so expressively before with uh, the, the CRISPR process, the, the difference in time that yeah. that applying that new technology, that breakthrough technology uh, brought to basically everyone involved in the process. What can I, if, if I were a client coming to you with a plant that I want to improve and I yeah. have no idea about the traits or just a rough idea, what can I expect? Like how long does it take between this initial contact and some sort of, of result or like maybe uh, maybe there are a few steps? Yeah, well, th th this is a very good question. I mean, depends on the trade usually. Mm -hmm. There will be very complex trades and which we're talking about maybe hundreds of genes to be involved, quantitative trades that they are very difficult to, to pinpoint the causal gene there. That will be a difficult, th these are not the type of trades we are talking about. We are talking about more trades that they are qualitative, the absence and presence of several genes, one, two, three, five genes, that is the type of things that we can we can discuss. 
we have to be clear about expectations with the, with the clients about which type of trades are we talking about. But definitely, we can deal with these type of trades. And the, the idea is that with Computomics, together with, with us, it will take, we are talking about between two years, less than two years, you can have these plans back with the trade. And that is that is the, the time frame that we are talking about, which is, again, from knowing nothing about the trade and having the plant in your greenhouse growing with the trade. Well, I think it's a, it's a very interesting proposition. Certainly, certainly uh, fits the name Accelerate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> certainly seems to seems to fit. Um, that's that's crazy compared to the 10, 15 years you were talking about earlier, right? And that, and that, and that is sometimes you, you sometimes you can't. I mean, and this is the other thing. You know, with, with with editing, we found that we, now we are talking with many industries in which actually you you can you don't even think about introducing certain trades because. The, uh, the amount of combination of crosses that you have to do or the variation in the genome that you have to introduce is so huge that yeah, it is not really, really possible to do it. And editing offers you the possibility to dissect the genome, allows you to change something and then get the change there. So it really has dramatically changed the way of, of, of yeah, uh, operating. And of course, it comes the, the second part, which is whether it's allowed or not. Can you can you go into more detail on that? Sure. The, the The question is that each country basically has a different policy regarding what happens with edited products. Um, the The idea is that, as I'm telling you, it's a very different concept editing compared to generating a genetically modified organism with these rough techniques. When you modify a lot of the things in the genome and you don't know what's going to happen, I fully understand that there is a clear concern from many many different stakeholders about what's going to happen with these plants. I understand this valid concern. But when you're talking about that technology that basically changed one thing, one gene, one piece of the gene and nothing else, and you know what's going to happen because you know you have backup from the literature, from the from the science that has been developed for many, many years, that, that is a very different type of concept. So we are, we are trying to see whether the, the legislation puts these things in different places. And the regulation is being at the EU level, for example, in the Europe, right now it is not allowed to commercialize edited products, but countries around Europe, like Switzerland, now the UK is coming into place, they're starting to think that edited products are actually a different thing. It actually shouldn't be labeled the same thing as genetically modified organisms. And, and the other countries, and if you go to the US, and you go to Australia, you go to Southeast Asia, you see that the regulations are allowing more and more the use of editing as a way to improve plants. And the products, the products that come out of that are now commercialized in these countries. So the question is, it becomes a little bit asymmetric, you not know, in terms of competitiveness, Europe or the countries that they are not allowing the edited products versus the one that can in months bring new trades into the market. That that poses a a little bit of you know different speed for for competing for competing between breeding companies or vegetative companies here in in Europe compared to yeah, somewhere else. So, what would you say as a kind of future outlook in the next coming coming years? Would you say that how can we tackle that challenge? Yeah. Or, and because there are different stakeholders involved too. Absolutely, and and you have to be very very careful about how how you approach this. And I think I think as I'm saying, I think you have to come up with. The scientific arguments of why do you think that this technology really can benefit the consumer at the end of the day 
And you have to bring bring along very good examples of how this technology allows the consumer to have products that they are longing for a very for a very long time. And we are talking about, for example, products that has consumer traits like allergy-free products, mm. uh, things that they are not allowed, they are not possible through normal breathing or conventional breathing. Using everything you can, you can do these things. And having them in a very short period of time available for the consumer, I think we, sh we should position the editing products as the next generation for the consumer to have the products that they're looking for in a very short period of time. Um, this is one aspect. The second aspect, which in my opinion is even more important, mm -hmm. is that the edited products or the edited plants will make the sustainability possible. And I think that's why we, sometimes we need to stress even more that. I think edited products will make the plants way more <laughs> needed, needing uh, agricultural inputs. So that will make the plants way more resistant to climate change, being able to still produce the amount of food that the society is demanding, but less fertilizers, less pesticides, and way more easier for the environment to grow these plants. So we need to, and this is possible, and it's possible to do it in a very short period of time. Because if you are waiting for the conventional breeding or molecular breeding, we are talking about 10 to 15 years. Do we have time for that? Maybe not. Using editing, mm. you can really shorten that period of time and making the plants really coping with the, with the challenges for sustainability and for making the environment really, really, yeah, affordable. at the same time, meeting the demand from the consumers because we are not going to eat less. We are going to eat more. We are more people. So we, ha we have to be pragmatic about these things. And... In my opinion, but that's my opinion, of course, I think editing probably is the solution to allow even organic farming to be possible and, and be feasible in the time frame that we need it. Maybe it will become easier too when there are, you know, a few more years of that technology in the market of people actually consuming plants that were edited. And so there's data to show that they aren't posing a danger because that's the argument that very often comes. We don't know what this actually does, right? We don't know how this actually impacts our bodies or or, or anything. Um, and if you've had that, I guess we always have that and to a certain extent, it's understandable. Uh, with every new technology, there's, there's skepticism and there should be, you know, it's healthy to be skeptical. Absolutely, uh, but that's why we have to have, a, that's what I'm saying all the time. I, I talk to the students, for example, at the university here many times about, Let's have a, a rational discussion based on, on facts, on science, and this is what you have. This is what the, the, the legal framework says about possible foods that can go to the supermarket and foods that shouldn't go to the supermarket. And if you are okay with these type of things, why you are not okay with these type of things? And that's that, you know, having a coherent policy about what is okay to be in your, on your table and not. I think it's a very important discussion to have. And as I'm saying, when, when I'm talking about from the, uh, you say, uh, we don't know what's going, what, what is the impact of these changes. Of course, this is, this is the first thing that you have to do. But that's why it's possible to bring trades that they are very well known what the effect is mm -hmm. and say, hey, now, now you have a product that comes to the market very, very quickly with the safety, with the safeguards from the knowledge that we have accumulated for years and years and years. So, yes, it's possible. One of the things, for example, this is a very good point that you're making. Um, the technology has, has some, some sort of yeah, uncertainty when it has been applied at the beginning. Because when you were editing, uh, there is a, a thing called off-target. 
which is sometimes your nucleus, the, 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 the enzyme that actually edits the genome, has not only targeting the gene of interest, sometimes goes somewhere else and do something else. That has been one of the complaints many times. But nowadays, the technology has matured enough to not have these off targets. We sequence, for example, the plants that they are coming out of our workflow, and we, we assess before and after, and we see that they are not off target. So it's only that part of the genome. So the point is, when you are, as I, as I was saying before, when you are talking about generating variability for your crop using the conventional methods that they are allowed, that they are legally allowed to, to generate variation that way, we are talking about thousands of changes, thousands of changes in the genome. And that is that is allowed, okay? And, and I will raise the question, but these thousands of changes are very difficult to predict what changes each of them have in the plant at the end, in terms of environment, in terms of their health. Thousands of changes to follow is very difficult. I'm talking about one. I'm talking about technology that brings only one, and it's extremely well documented what the changes are. So I think when you're talking about a legal, you know, a, a framework to approve these type of products, I think there's a way safer uh, pathway towards the deregulation of these type of products. Certainly a very strong argument that you make here. <laughs> uh, we will have to see how this actually is applied in, in policymaking uh, in, the, in the coming years. Um, Gavino, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about <laughs> these things. Uh, it was a true pleasure. Yeah, and uh, to our audience as well, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We learned quite a bit uh, about the HRB technology, including smart delivery system to decrease uh, agrochemical levels in plants, the CRISPR technology, and then especially interesting for us as we're in the Computomics podcast um, about Accelerate, where uh, HRB and Computomics kind of united uh, their strengths to find ways to, yeah, identify potential traits, interesting traits, much, much faster than you could with other methods. Thank you so much for your time, Gabino, and to our audience, I look forward to having you for the next episode. Meanwhile, feel free to check out computomics.com. You'll have some notes on this episode as well as the others that we have done before. And I look forward to being with you again in the next episode. Bye.